0: Flame, the Classic Metal Podcast with Rev Taylor and Darren Wall. Reviews, interviews, and conversation since 2021.
1: We watch the sun. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the third episode of Season 2 of Keepers of the Flame, the Classic Heavy Metal Podcast, your source for all things classic heavy metal nerdy weird all of the above none of the above but we are here anyway on a really nice sunny super bowl sunday here in the pacific northwest my name is darren wall my co-host mr rev taylor with me as always how you doing man
0: doing great it's a beautiful day sunshine unseasonably warm feels like springtime i've got my uh my coffee with a little shot of jameson in it and um yeah i got the door wide open enjoying the fresh breeze so i'm happy
1: I copied you today. I have a co- I have a coffee with uh, some Dickles whiskey. I think it's called nice. So that, and I also for my second beverage of choice, when it crests noon here, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I got this. I don't really remember exactly where I got this, and I'm not really one for adjunct flavors in beer too much, but I have this peanut butter graham cracker porter from Denver Beer Company, and peanut butter is the one flavor I kind of enjoy when it's yeah. added to beer. Um, if it's done right and so i don't know this will either be awesome or it'll be disgusting <laughs> like but you know hey props to denver beer company clearly out of denver unless it's just a clever name but that's my beverage of the week of the week so time for everybody here to crack open a beverage of their choice and we will get into some heavy metal discussions here pretty quick so as we now do we're going to start with our picks of the week uh, and i picked my favorite album of 2016 um, this is the debut record from Gygax. This is called Critical Hits. Um, so this band, obviously, clear to speak, it's a Dungeons & Dragons band. Like, duh. I mean, that's what the name is. Gary Gygax the guy who, I don't know if he invented it, but he was one of the first guys writing uh, stories and game modes and et cetera for this, um, for that platform. Um, so they've got three full lengths to their credit. This is the first one. It came out January 22nd, 2016 on um, Creator Destructor Records. Uh, and this one, man, this one, my buddy Zach Palmer, who was another fellow Skeletor alumni bassist, um, turned me onto this one. We were hanging out at some cabin, um, just taking it on a lakefront. And on the way, he drove me back to Seattle. And on the way back, he had this album playing and it really had these really cool, like thin Lizzie vibes going on. And I was like, man, who is this? Like I've never like it was just it was old school but modern sounding and it had a real fresh but it had a real fresh take that I hadn't really heard on that style of music before he's like oh it's this Gygax band they sing about Dungeons and Dragons and I was like really because you know most Dungeons and Dragons themed bands you think really like Rhapsody like Mm -hmm. epic power metal and songs about dewdrops with the whip of a dragon's tail and all this but this was a much more riff based kind of rock and roll record um And I fell in love with it instantly. Um, Some highlight tracks for me on this are Draw Breath, uh, Liliana, The Hunter's Heart, Chain Lightning. Uh, But really, this is eight songs that just smoke front to back. This is, like I said, I think it's the best record that came out in 2016. Um, The guys in this band are uh, some alumni. Most of the guys from Gypsy Hawk, who were kind of a stoner rock band that uh, played a lot in the early 2010s. Um, My band, my old stoner band, played with them at the Astoria. Um, up in Vancouver uh, a couple times and they were always entertaining I think one of these guys was a skeleton witch and I think one of these guys went on to I think he might still be a night demon like I think he's like gone moved on and gone for night demon but we also I've seen them play at uh god it was a frost and fire in 2019 I think 2018 Mm -hmm. or 2019 one of those two years I saw them there down in Ventura that show was amazing also got to open up with for them when I was playing Skeletor at the Highline in Seattle. That was another really fun, sh- fun show. So yeah, um, if, you like, if you like good, just good riffs, fun rock and roll with a heavier tinge to it, if you love Thin Lizzy, if you like Dungeons and Dragons, and if you just like good music, this is a great album. Um, you know, one of my favorites of the modern era. I liked their second one for quite a bit too. Um, haven't honestly delved into the third one much but this one to me just has some real magic to it um so yeah guy critical hits if you don't got it get it it's an awesome addition to your collection
0: so you might say they rolled a 20 on that particular album (laughs) they
1: definitely rolled a 20 on that particular album it's uh yeah it's a banger there's no there's no weak spots on this album armor is
0: true on this one what do you got brother well i have um kind of one of the lesser Loved but but still pretty solid albums by Saxon. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, this is Power and the Glory from 1983. Um, you know, I'm not gonna come out and say that this is as good as Denim and Leather or Wheels of Steel, but um I do really like this one. I think I think some of it's just that I've got a small record collection. I don't have a lot of money. I found this one. And I'm like, it's Saxon, I'm buying it. I didn't know it at the time. And uh just kind of got to know it through listening on vinyl. Uh, and I think this one actually has a really cool vibe to it. I think it it was a little bit of an attempt to go in a little bit more of a commercial direction and a little bit more of a polished direction. Um, so it sounds a little bit more like, like some of the Iron Maiden m- albums from that period. Uh, the guitar tone is not quite as prominent uh, and it's got a little bit of a sheen on it, but it still works because really like the core of Saxon is just like good simple riffs driving rhythms um the last time i listened through this this morning kind of to prep for this i just was struck again by nigel glockler the drummer who's just so good and kind of has been the whole time and 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 right up until the present day which is something we're about to talk about but um yeah, a lot of these tracks are really fun. The title track "Power and the Glory" is super catchy; and gets stuck in my head all the time. I like "Red Line." Uh, this one is like a weird pressing that has "Susie Hold On" on the record instead of "Midas Touch."
1: Really? I wonder yeah. if mine has that. I don't. I, th- I have this album somewhere. Uh, yeah, I wonder if mine has that.
0: Yeah, I couldn't find any reference to like why that would be, because that one's sometimes on. Like I think at different versions on a different album, and then uh, I think on the original version, of the track "Warrior" is at track 3 on side 1. So I don't I don't know what that was all about, but still it maintains most of the core of the album. I really like the song Nightmare, just really catchy with the cool vocal harmonies and stuff. Um Warriors fun and the Eagle and Has Landed is really epic. Just one of those like cool, you know, Saxon's going to sing to you about a historical event with this great like mid-tempo groove. Um yeah. So yeah, and this one's uh I was reading about it, it seems like it gets you know, not as much love as some of the other albums, but I still think this one's really good. Uh, the cover art's kind of hilarious. I don't even know what it is. It's like some Yeah, I don't know what that ...wing-headed <laughs> robot guy with a magic and or infected hand that's shooting plasma at a pink logo. Like, it's a little bit unusual for kind of what we've gotten used to uh, as the classic Saxon. But I definitely recommend this one if you don't know it. Like, if you just know the, the, the top-tier Saxon stuff and you want to dig a little deeper, or you know, if you, even if you don't know Saxon, you're looking to build your record collection. If you find this one sitting around at a record shop, like I did for like seven bucks, absolutely pick it up because you will definitely get your money's worth. Um, it's, it's a really solid album, especially, uh, it's nice and short. So even the bits of it that are a little less even don't, they don't last. They don't leave too much of a mark. It really makes a good, you know, listen when you're sauteing your sausage in the morning or uh <laughs> it's, it's a decent work breakfast work or, album you're saying it's a decent breakfast album well th- for me this last time i listened to it it was like side a was my home for work album yesterday and then side b was this morning's breakfast album so it kind of got broken broken up into two bits and that worked pretty well got um, it. <laughs> so anyway saxon speaking of saxon
1: speaking of saxon we are talking about them for our album this week um yeah. Saxon has a new album out, um, called Carpe Diem. Um, and this snuck up on me. I had no idea that this, that this was coming. Um, you know, I uh, it just, I think we, we finished the podcast last week and we we're kind of bombing around looking for stuff to listen to. And I was like, wait a minute, Saxon has something out. Like it just didn't seem to have a lot of press or, or, or anything behind it. Um, I know they, they put out an album last year that was like a cover songs album. Yeah. And it's pretty good. Like it's fun. I mean, cover songs album is is what it is it's not and they didn't really reinvent the wheel on any of those covers um but it was it was a fun little uh little jaunt um kind of shows their influences a little bit but yeah we uh we got this new saxon album um and like we you talked about before you know saxon has been around for a minute i mean if you don't know much about them they've been around since 1976 so they're older than me and that says something um originally they were named son of a Bitch. Thankfully, they decided to not <laughs> use that album. I mean, that, 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 that band name, because that's pretty lame. Um, and the core members of this band since the very beginning have been Biff Bifford and Paul Quinn. Uh, those guys have been around since, since day one, although a lot of these members have been um, around for a while. Um, these guys were kind of a cornerstone in uh, the movement known as the New Wave of British Heavy Metal. Um, you know, they're one of the... T- if, if, when people talk about that movement and that scene... Saxon is always like one of the top five bands discussed you know it's always like you know Def Leppard and Iron Maiden are kind of like the big two that broke out but then you you kind of go to Saxon and Tigers of Pantang and Tank and bands like that next Uh, so I think Saxon is probably like you know in the top five of the bands that came out of that era Um, you know a lot of the albums they are known for like the classics are you know Wheels of Steel, Strong Arm of the Law, Denim and Leather Um, but you know the ones you talked about as well. Um, In 84, they signed with... And then, you know, they started to go um, commercial a bit, but when they signed with EMI in 84, they put Crusader out. That's when they went, like, pretty, like, clean-sounding, you know, poppy Mm -hmm. rock, more poppy rock. I do enjoy some tracks off that one, but, you know, it was um, definitely an attempt to, like, you know, break through the mainstream a little bit. Um, It is strange to me when these bands kind of do that, but they don't really they could kind of maintain that um, real like heavy metal medieval kind of image. Like, I think if I was in Saxon, if I'm trying to like, you know, break through the mainstream, I probably wouldn't put a knight on the album cover even if it was 1984 or whatever.
0: Um, so but the th- th- thing is when you do that, then people are still going to love your album with the night on it even that's true. after you're old and gray, you know, like that's the thing with these n- more niche metal things is they have a little bit more staying power. Oh, I'm not, I'm not complaining.
1: I'm not complaining. <laughs> I mean, that's right on my alley. I'm just saying if you're trying to sell out, I don't know if right, that's yeah. the, the best way. Um, you know, they kind of experienced a decline in their fan base after that. Uh, but then in the late nineties, I mean, the nineties were the nineties. It wasn't great for really, really kind of bands like this. Um, they returned to a much heavier sound though, in the late nineties and early two thousands um, with albums like metalhead Killing Ground was actually the first saxon album i ever heard. Mm. Uh, I bought it on a whim. It was actually a great intro because I bought the deluxe edition on a whim uh, at Strape Records which is my local heavy metal shop in Vancouver BC and the first disc was the Killing Ground album which is great. The second disc was all the classics re-recorded so they did like uh, you know new versions of Princess of the Night and Wheels of Steel and Motorcycle Man etc etc so then I got to hear all those classics and I went oh shit like this new album's cool but I really need to go back and find the old stuff because this is awesome and I need to hear the original recording so that was kind of a cool intro for me um and a smart move on them to put that on there
0: I've never Uh, actually heard the Killing Ground album I've heard some of those new versions but now I'm looking at it they've got a cover of a King Crimson song on here they do yeah I have to check that out
1: yeah it's it's pretty good take on it I think. and then, you know, later on, they released, uh, they, you know, going from there then on, they released a lot of albums. I mean, they, a lot. Um, some of them are good. Some of them are just okay. I don't think Saks has ever released a total, total shitty album. But, you know, some of them are just, some of them are, have been really good. Some of them have been like, meh. So that brings us to present day. Uh, they, have, this new album, Carpe Diem, is their 23rd full-length Ooh. album. Can you imagine such a thing? Yeah. That's a lot. I mean, being around since 76, but still, 23rd album. Um, It came out on uh, February 4th, uh, 2022, on Silver Lining Music, so this is brand new, and like I said, it totally snuck up on me. Uh, What did you think of this album overall?
0: I really, really liked it. I mean, I was kind of surprised, because I was expecting something that felt a little more like an older band. Um, And, I mean, Saxon's a band that... I was telling you before the podcast like in in some ways they kind of seem like they've always been like an old guy band (laughs) in terms of like some of their choice of subject matter like they're doing songs about like trains and the Kennedy assassination like in their prime you know so it's not like (laughs) not that they don't have their songs about you know partying and stuff but the ones that I think really stand the test of time are some of these really kind of like uh, more intellectual kind of history lesson songs anyway um and so i was expecting that to just be pushed even farther but i really did not expect just how uh how much vitality is in this album it's got like it's a lot of energy it sounds really crisp and really great the riffs are hot like it's it's i was just surprised how well it flows uh how hard it hits and just how much fun it was like this was one that was really easy to return to the well on and get ready for this podcast because i just keep wanting to listen to it because it's so much fun
1: yeah brother i'm with you i mean i i I, like you said i i expected a a saxon album and in many ways this is a typical saxon album it's not like they went and reinvented themselves or anything nor do i want them to at this point in their career but yeah the energy on this like it's just exploding out of your speakers like i couldn't believe it sounds like a young man it does not sound like a bunch of old farts because um yeah there's a lot of energy on here um as far as the material goes, it is typical Saxon material, you know, which, you know, you can call that a good thing or a bad thing. I call it a good thing. Um, but you know, you get this, these riff driven songs and the guitar riffs have always kind of been Saxon's main strengths. Not to say they don't have many, but the catchy guitar riffs are kind of like the main thing. Like you think of Saxon immediately, the riff from princess of the night comes, comes, you know, that's kind of their main strength. Um, They got that classic new album sound, Uh, again, lots of energy. The production is very big on this record. This is a very, very uh, highly produced album. Um, It's got Andy Sneap behind the control board.
0: Mm, So mm, if you know,
1: I mean, when Andy Sneap is behind the control board, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get big, shiny guitars. You're going to get very clangy bass, you know, lots of bells and whistles. You know, big sounding drums. And this is an interesting thing to, to do, I thought, because we talked about Mall last week. Um, mm-hmm. And that was an example of an album with a little more, with good production that's a little more stripped down. Now we have an album that has good production, and but it's really shiny and beefy and, and you know, jacked up and processed. And it just shows you that there's not really a wrong answer as to how to make an album production-wise. Mm-hmm. You just have to do it the right way, you know, if you want... You know, you, you have to massage everything and make sure it all makes sense, make sure everything sits where it should be. And, you know, the mall album had that from a stripped down raw band, you know, rocking out. You can really hear everything, warts and all. Um, and this album has it from a very, very professional, slick, big, bold sounding perspective.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it does seem like it's a, I guess I'm not too familiar with their, recent stuff but despite that that modern sound it really does fit well with their discography of the past even the cover art is is uh you you look at some of their more recent albums and I I think a lot of like older bands will sometimes unwittingly kind of make cover art that looks really cheesy by making it too digital or making it too just I don't know not it doesn't feel organic but this is actually like a really nice painting as a cover of uh like roman soldiers patrolling Adrian's Wall, I'm guessing. It's uh, just a classic, good-looking album cover uh, with a lot of atmosphere to it. And um, that piqued my curiosity right away.
1: Yeah, and when we say this mo- Modern Sound, this definitely is like an old-school record. Don't get me wrong. It's just, you know, production-wise, it's big. Um,
0: well, I found my to, You know, Saxon's a band I'm not super familiar with the lineup of. Like, I know Biff Bifford as a name and as kind of a frontman presence because... You know, he's, he's very distinctive, uh, but I hadn't really looked too much into the other members and who the core members are. And I had to go and look because I was like, is this an album where they've like recruited some younger players because it has that kind of sound to it? Um, and I was really kind of pleasantly just surprised to see that it, for the most part, is still like the core old school lineup.
1: Yeah, and I think it shows in a way. Like, I don't necessarily think that if it was a group of younger guys, that it would be this tight. Mm-hmm. you know because like the playing the playing doesn't come across as fake you know it doesn't come across as super edited there's some very slick transitions and it feels like a band playing together you know it doesn't necessarily feel like it's chopped up and edited it's just like when i, when I say a big bold production that doesn't mean fake it just means like you know it's all really polished mm-hmm. that's, that's all it really means that's all i'm kind of getting out of the production but yeah it, it, it does show that they've been playing together for a long time so yeah, it's a pretty exciting album. So why don't we get into it? Um, let's do it. The first track is the title track. Again, the trend we've seen a lot last year. Uh, "Carpe Diem, Seize the Day" is the first song. It's got a, it's got a bit of a long intro, which had me wondering if this first track was just an intro. Um, but no, it kicks in. It kicks in, and you know, Biff really lets out a fucking scream to start this off.
0: Um, Oh, it's a great way to start the album yeah I mean, the, the, the intro just kind of some general atmosphere you got some war drums and like a horn of some kind and i guess it's kind of portraying this you know ancient world militaristic yeah. kind of thing but yeah i mean you get the drum fill you get biff with a you know letting out a howl that sounds great it goes right into the uh, a perfectly placed heavy metal hum which is something <laughs> yeah. I'm still working on figuring out. You know, <laughs> when you can do it right, it's so good. But I found it's actually really hard to find the right place to do the mm, yeah <laughs> and have yeah. it work. You know. Um,
1: but this really sets the tone. I mean, you know, we get like the riff is awesome on this song. The riffs are awesome, and they got like these nice, like real driving, chugging riffs that are kind of interspersed with some big power chords with yeah. the rhythm section just you know cr- just churning it out underneath it. Um, the the chorus is super simple. It's our yep. <laughs>
0: damn.
1: That's it. That's yep. that's all the lyrics. But it's catchy and it works, you know? Um, it's a way to get everybody, you know, singing along and pumping their fists. Um, yeah, the energy right away is just bursting out of your speakers. So yeah. When this came on and it hit the you know, once it got through the intro and kind of got into it, I was like, Okay, we might be onto something here.
0: Yeah, same. And and honestly biff's voice sounds great he kind of sounds like he always has you know he's never been like he's never been the most impressive singer he's kind of just uh finds this one pocket lets it ride there but his it's all about expressing the words it's all about clarity um and you know they've been around a long time and he's obviously taking care of his voice because it still sounds about like it used to you can hear a little bit of a a wider vibrato and some of the stuff you get with older singers, but for the most part, it's it's great. Um, yep. And the, the the lyrics of this are kind of fun. It's talking about like Roman Britain and the Roman Empire, and I guess it's tying it into "Carpe Diem," the Latin phrase. Which, now that I think about it, I don't know if that's something that was ever actually said in ancient Rome. But although I do think it's funny uh, combined with the, you know, they're talking about Hadrian's Wall, which definitely captivates british people's imagination from what i've seen which makes sense like the wall goes all the way across your country that was built by these ancient people um but just thinking about the idea of seize the day but like it's also describing like life posted out on this frontier and it just from everyone i know who's been at that kind of military posting just is like it's the most boring thing you can imagine how do you seize the day if you're just like sitting on the wall waiting for the picts to attack you day in and day out
1: yeah that's true <laughs> yeah i can imagine like from,
0: you can imagine the diary of legionnaire quintus verus aquila well today the cohort commander said we had to carpe diem we had to seize the day so hmm, i shot an arrow at a squirrel and had an extra wank i can say to this day see the kind of shit that was running through my head but the song's great it, yeah, really it is was. man um and you and you
1: know i've heard interviews about with Beth talking about his he, he made a conscious decision at one point in his life to, you know, make some lifestyle changes to, you know, save his voice. He quit mm-hmm. smoking. I guess he was a smoker back in the day, um, you know, curbed his drinking and really decided to, you know, realize that he was going to be in this for the long haul. I mean, career musician, right. So you don't want to go, he's not going to go get an office job. So, you know, he kind of had to make this work. So he's made some conscious decisions over the years to, you know, take care of himself and make sure he can still sing.
0: Well, you can tell. I mean, and props to him for that, because, like, for example, uh, Princess of the Night, which we covered in Greyhawk early on, so it was the first Saxon song I really dug deep into. And uh, uh, I listened to the original version first and then checked out that re-recorded version um, that we were just talking about from Killing Ground. And uh, the vocals are better, you know, Yeah. 20 years later than they were yes. in the original. His voice agree. sounds better, and he's singing high notes that he wasn't singing Uh, in 1981 and that's the opposite of what usually happens so yeah
1: yeah i agree so anyway we're we're off to the we're off to the races here on this one already on track one and then that leads us into track two which is the age of steam um and it's got like this cool little 30 second intro to start and then you know this got another real badass riff comes in there's some cool lead breaks um it's like you know, it's got a similar pace, I guess, to uh, track one, but it's a mm-hmm. little more restrained. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, uh, really dug the halftime chorus. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought that was a good move. Um, and yeah, Biff's again in fine form. So I thought this song was really cool, too. And it kind of indicated to me that, you know, this is a veteran band and they kind of know how to switch things up a little bit here and there. Even if they're not reinventing the wheel with each song, they know how to switch things up and keep it interesting.
0: One of the things that really stood out to me the most on this album um, is just how good the lead playing is. Yeah. It sounds good and it's fantastic and it's expressive and, you know, that I enjoyed these guitar solos more than I do most guitar solos and I love guitar solos, but like these especially like there just seems like there was a lot of care and attention put into them, both the like faster ones like this, but especially on some of the slower ones, which I'm sure I'll bring up because it's one of the highlights of the thing for me, but this was the first track and the solo break in this one. I'm like, Oh, they really are like, they're not phoning it in with the, with the yeah, guitar work here. It now. has,
1: it has, it has some good tone to it as well. You know, one of the mm-hmm. things I crammed about, you know, last year was listening to a lot of, you know, lead guitar and being like, man, all these tones are so generic. It's always a Jackson through a PV and there's no effects on it. It's super dry. I don't get that here. Um, mm-hmm. These You're right. These solos do have character. They're a little more like rock driven too. You know, they're not the typical metal shredding. It's very like, you know, bluesy, you know, it's, it's kind of old school. And yeah, I, I dig it. But yeah, they're very, very well-crafted solos. Um, and yeah, I thought this was a, you know, great transition from track one to track two. It indicates that there is going to be some variety on this album, even if it's not massive stylistic changes.
0: Yep. Yeah. And we're staying with the historical theme. I mean, it really does seem like, you know, Biff Bifford's like long-term project is to produce like a heavy metal encyclopedia. of Yes, yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, that kind of seems to be it. I mean, it, and, and, you know, you can do that. Like sometimes it's obnoxious when bands don't do it. Like I, I guess maybe it's the subject matter, but sometimes I'm sick of the remedial Viking history lessons. Like, you know, right. we talked about in the past, like, you know, about how we're going to Valhalla when we die and all this shit. I'm like, yeah, come on, just knock it off. But unless, I mean, unless you're from there, you know, and you have an interesting insight to do it. I think it's just fun to been done to death. But there's nothing wrong, I think, with you know, some historical tales if, if that's what you're feeling. Um,
0: yeah, and I think it's one thing that makes set Saxon apart is just the the choice of themes are kind of unique. I think he tends to choose themes that other bands wouldn't necessarily think of, like the industrial revolution in general in the case of this song or some of the other ones we'll talk about it just like or or looking back at their classic catalog like i don't think it would occur to most metal bands to do a song about the kid in the assassination or about the moon landing you know because it it just that seems like recent history but that's something that saxon kind of thrives on doing and i think that's cool
1: yeah i wonder if people can hear your dog and my dog barking (laughs) <laughs> these podcasts because like i hear your dog barking and i hear my dog barking once in a while so yeah we both yeah. If everyone's listening we both have dogs and because they're dogs they bark so you might hear a dog barking in the background once in a while all right so next next up um
0: the pilgrimage
1: yes next up is the pilgrimage um this might be my favorite song on the record
0: oh yeah uh, me too this
1: song just absolutely rules um it harkens back to a style of Saxon has touched on before. It reminds me of, you know, 747 Strangers in the Night mm-hmm. or Dallas 1 p.m. Um, and these kind of, those kind of vibes, they just do it so well. And the song is also brilliantly placed too. Like I, tra- I think it's a, track three is a great spot place with mm-hmm. this one. Um, there's like, I got some ACDC vibes, which is strange. Mm. Um, like some for those about to rock vibes, you know, cause it just kind of had that real ringy, um, you know, those real ringy chords going on um and i do know that uh saxon loves acdc um because they've covered them before um there's some great drama being built in this one um some super catchy vocal hooks uh the bell samples kind of gave me more acdc vibes but they, yeah they're really cool um those ones are the chorus the layered choral and key parts are great like they they sit in the pockets they're supposed to sit in really well um at about 314, it breaks down into just the bass and a clean guitar, which mm-hmm. is a really cool atmospheric part which builds back up into a solo, which is a classic move that always seems to work. You that know? solo is
0: gorgeous too. It really right? is. It's, it's, yeah, it's got that, that you know, mostly clean tone, so much focus on just creating a beautiful tone and just getting the perfect string bends. and like you know, When I say that I love prog rock, and I do, but like, it's not the, the long song structures. It's not the like intricacies of it. Really. I just kind of love guitar solos like this. And you tend to find that, you know, more often in, you know, um, in a band like Rush than you do in, in heavy metal, not always, but like this, this album just has like, it's got those great clean guitar solos. And this is the first time that really shows up. It's not the only one on here, but, um, it's, it's just gorgeous and it builds up and, uh, the whole song is just so majestic it's got it really that just is. repeating just simple arpeggio that's being played over this driving mid-tempo beat and yeah it's it, this is a great song it really is and uh this is like this belongs on any road trip playlist like yeah you totally. need to you need to get this song in your car somehow because the song's about like it's just about pilgrimages in like every form of it it's kind of talking about the universality of just like getting up and going somewhere to see something that's meaningful to you whether that's religious or secular or musical or whatever and i know that's something that like you know probably we've all done at some point like well we're just gonna go like see this thing and if we haven't we should you know it's just like (laughs) he says it in the song it's human nature to just like you know go see someplace that's important and you and the journey becomes meaningful through that and it's this song is just a great depiction of that uh and it is such a universal experience and yeah i i feel like this song is going to be you know i'm going to want this accessible to me when i'm driving my vehicle uh for as long as i have a vehicle you know because it's just going to come in handy in so many situations <laughs> yeah
1: it's true i mean you need especially like you know road trips are, are fun but they're tiring sometimes yeah I mean, you need something that's you know is gonna it's gonna get you through and you know, you're right. I got that vibe too, from, from the lyrics, you know, that it, it is like, you know, human nature to want to move and see new places. And, you know, I just need to realize how stationary I've been for the past two years, mm-hmm. you know, I haven't really gone anywhere. And that stinks. <laughs> I'm really hoping that, you know, this year will change that. I mean, we've already got some wicked trips coming up back East. Shameless plug, legions of metal, Chicago in May, <laughs> mm-hmm. Stormbringer <laughs> festival, Worcester, Massachusetts in June, catch gray hot there. Shameless plug. Um, but yeah, this is, to me, everything about this song works. Um, it's kind of a perfect song. Um, highlight of the record for me. There's a lot of highlights, but this is the absolute highlight. Um, so yeah, you want to, I think if you want to check out one song from this, this is the one to check out. Agreed. But moving on from that, we get into Damn Busters. Um, and this one we get kind of like a gallopy, swingy feel. Um, yeah, they're keeping us guessing a little bit. It's all from the same power source and it's all classically Saxon, but this is... You know they're changing it up, and um, you know they really are. At this point, I kind of said to myself, you know, they're really rolling out the Saxon playbook here. You know, like mm-hmm. they're hitting all the classic things that they do, but they're executing it really well. Um, very cool harmony lead break that goes into the solo. Another awesome solo. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like there's some there's something. Maybe it's and I know Andy Sneap. You know, sometimes people bitch about his work because he's on so many records, and you know he's just. His production style is so distinct that you love it or hate it, but it feels like that could be a reason why there's so much rejuvenation on it. Maybe they worked mm-hmm. with a, him as a producer on this and you know got some input outside of the band because they really sound rejuvenated here and, and on this track as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can and I can see that there's a. Uh, it's interesting that I saw that King Crimson cover is on. Uh, killing ground because there is kind of a Robert Fripp approach to some of these guitar solos that feels like it's to me it feels like it's coming a little bit from outside the realm of like just traditional bluesy heavy metal and sure. it's bringing like a little bit more of an elevated um lyrical quality to it I think it's really great yeah and uh, uh go ahead i was just say Dan Busters I can add this to my like little mental playlist I have going of songs about the RAF and World War II there you go. Like British heavy metal bands. They put <laughs> yeah. Aces High on there. Um, Grim Reaper on one of their recent albums did a song called Wings of Angels. It's pretty good. Um, they opened with that when we played with them way back in 2018. Yep. And uh, now and uh, Blaze Bailey had that 303 Squadron song on there you go. War Within Me. And then Dam Busters can go on there because this is about the uh, mission to bomb these dams in Germany in World War II. And it was this daring raid because they used these heavy bombers flying down super low and they dropped these bombs that are engineered to bounce across the water, to like bounce through the defenses and like hit the dam on Hell a bounce, yeah. which is a bizarre engineering feat mm-hmm. and a kind of a raw, raw, raw moment for Britain, which is I think is probably where the inspiration for this is coming for.
1: Probably so. a little bit, but you know what? It's a cool thing to touch on. You know, it's not like you know, like you said, it's not really like remedial history it's like this is a pretty cool event that you know doesn't really get talked about a lot
0: right like a lot of metal heads are probably you know this gives them the opportunity to learn about a piece of history they might not have known about before which is cool
1: yeah so moving on we have the song remember the fallen and here we go <laughs> um we have our second covid song. i mean i don't know if it would be the second because it was like it was just mentioned in one of the tony barnes songs right once. But this is, so probably our first song about COVID in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe this song is well-intentioned. Um, I think it's like, you know, a song about, you know, just the fact that humans suffered during this whole event. And then it, it just generally sucked for anybody. I don't think COVID was great to anyone. I don't think anyone looks back at the COVID pandemic and says, oh man, I sure wish that was still going on. Um, but it's and it's not as cringy as it could be. But I I'm not down. Um, I just the the music on this track is awesome. You know, I'll say that this is a cool song. But like you know, when they talk about like it came across the China Sea, like what the fuck? You know, like there is is the, is there a China Sea? Like before I this say the
0: South China Sea that I think divides China from like the Philippines. Yeah, but and- it-
1: I mean, like, are they talking about the Pacific Ocean or, like...
0: Yeah, from the perspective of Great Britain, I don't really know what that would mean. Unless, maybe from Australia, you might call it. I don't know. So, I'm not not sure.
1: It's a really weird line. And, you know, I don't see this as them being, like, idiots. I just think that this is kind of lame, you know. I think that's the main thing. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, this is, like, you know, problematic on any level. Because I don't really think it is. I just think it's kind of lame and dumb. But that's just my take.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm kind of curious to uh, to see maybe in five years how it lands, um, because yeah. I think we just have such COVID exhaustion right now yeah. that it's not really something we want to like listen to a song and think about. Um, I mean, I like that it's it's not it's not trying to foreground any of the political controversy or anything. It no. seems to be mostly kind of just saying, you know, remember the fall, remember the people who died, remember the healthcare workers early on who really like put themselves in the line of fire. And that
1: is the thing that I find is getting, and that, you know, actually that kind of like, that makes me feel a little bit better about it because I do feel like with all the, you know, not to get too political about anything here, but with all the political talk that's going on back and forth, I think the fact that a lot of people died from this thing is being completely forgotten. You know?
0: Yeah. And I, I think one, one thing I did enjoy about listening to this song is it did, it did, caused me to reflect a little bit at first I was like oh, COVID song really but you know by the time the song was over I was thinking about my friend Antoine really mm-hmm. talented opera singer who died b- way back when we had COVID in, in early 2021 and like just kind of reflecting on you know there was a huge talent that that died young because of COVID and and uh I guess bringing the focus back around to the people who actually died does seem like if you're going to do a COVID song, maybe it's the best possible angle you could.
1: Imagine. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. And that's probably it. I just, I think I just didn't want to hear it. You know, mm-hmm. like at, at this point, like I'm just like, like I'm kind of looking for anything that's going to really like distract me from like world events at this point in time, you know, yeah. like, I don't really want to hear, I get enough, I get bombarded with enough of that crap on social media, like every time, like and every person I talk to, like, you know, I went over to get my Mustang from Port Orchard. You know, people don't know Port Orchard is like, you know, it's, it's a ferry ride. It's either a ferry ride away from Seattle where I live or it's a big drive around the horse. So I took, and I didn't, I, obviously I got to get my car. So I took an Uber from here to the ferry terminal. And all that guy I wanted to talk about was COVID. And then we took a ferry ride across and then I called a cab because I couldn't get a, a cab from Southworth. I took like the South, the West Seattle, the Southworth ferry. And that lady just wanted to talk about COVID, you know? And I'm like, and it's not like any of them were, either of them were bad people or had crappy things to say. I'm just like, I don't want to talk about it. I just don't, you know? And I realized it's kind of a big thing in all our lives, but I'm like, you know, we could, we could talk about other things too. And I'm just over it.
0: Yeah. I guess my take on this song is, uh... When it comes down to it, I just don't think it's one of the stronger musical songs on the record. Like, it's not bad. No, it's uh, okay. But there, there are a lot of stronger tracks on it. I think it's one of the weaker links musically. Um, and so it doesn't bother me. Like, the chorus is catchy. It's well executed. Um, but, like, similarly, like, I'm not going to feel excited about a song about COVID, so.
1: No, exactly. And I'm just, like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I wasn't stoked about the subject matter. That's just my opinion. Not saying people shouldn't write songs about COVID. Write about whatever the hell you want. But, you know, for me personally, I'm probably going to go skip when I hear songs about COVID. Just That's, that's just me. But anyway, we don't need to dwell on that song all day. We move on to the next track, which is Supernova, which I think was one of the heaviest songs on this record.
0: Yeah, this is one of my favorites, too. This yeah. one has uh, Biff Bifford putting on his Carl Sagan sweater yeah like teach us about the universe oh, yeah that's true school <laughs> <That's>
1: <laughs> yep it's it's uh i love how like you know this they do the classic thing where the riff is just like you know just churning and rocking out and the bass and drums are just driving underneath it you know mm-hmm. it's got that real like consistent driving rhythm um it's pretty unrelenting um in a lot of ways it kind of pushes them like it, it's it's heavier than the stuff they usually write and i kind of always yeah. push them into like you know a uh, much heavier territory. I dug this song. I thought it was one of the stronger ones on the record too. Um, the production really works for all the instruments here there 's good enough separation that you can hear what everyone 's doing and yeah, and yeah, like i said it's it 's cool subject matter right it 's you know talking about space space is fucking cool
0: yeah yeah it's uh this one has notably has a really cool uh solo break yep it, Again. It, halfway through like we get this clean guitar arpeggio and like for a split second it reminded me of like a song from like an immortal album or something like at the heart of winter or something just had that kind of like echoey clean guitar arpeggio that gives it this kind of like frosty atmosphere which i think is they're going for space right but it kind of like reminds me of um like 90s black metal stuff just for half a second before the guitar kicks in and it's another like unexpectedly for a song this heavy it's another gorgeous mostly clean guitar solo
1: yeah they definitely do that this and that's great i mean it's just nice to hear dynamics um and that's what kind of keeps these things interesting you know i think there's a lot of like um one of the things you've complained about on some albums is like six seven minute songs with no dynamics you know just kind of one thing coasts the whole way and these guys you know as we'll See, like, in the later songs, even, like, some of the shorter ones, there's a lot of dynamics in it, you yeah. know. They definitely are doing a lot of storytelling through the music and doing a lot of different things to keep us interested, which is cool.
0: Yeah, so definitely do not skip this one. If you're, just checking out a few songs and you listen to Carpe Diem, The Pilgrimage, listen to this one, too, because it, it covers a lot of ground in only four minutes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I agree. I fully agree with that. It's, it's a pretty dynamic, very cool song. So next up is Lady and Gray. And I thought maybe it's because there's the Lady wore black connection with Queens, right? Yeah. I was like, I thought we were getting a ballad, you know, when, when yeah. this came on because it starts slow, p- slow pace. It's pretty atmospheric. Uh, it's got some like really heavy punches and accents to it. Some chugging riffs. Um, it's a cool song. Um, but Maybe, I don't know. Again, like a lot of times, like I go, maybe we always say, maybe it's just fatigue a little bit, but. This one seemed like a bit of a slog to me at six minutes. It didn't really hold my attention for the whole song. There's some cool keys in it, and I like that. But it seemed yeah. like it was, you know, I, I liked it. But when I got past like the four or four and a half minute mark, I might, I just had trouble paying attention.
0: Yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't know. I liked it. I like the main riff. It's got the the cool like doomy feel. It's got a little bit of an off accent to it. Yeah, it's yeah. It probably could have been a, a, a hair shorter. Um, yeah. But I still think it's effective. It stands out as it within the album it has its own unique character. It brings us back to a slower tempo for the first time since the pilgrimage, but does it in a more of a kind of brooding, yeah, doomy kind of way. Um, so I don't know. It, it definitely like stands out. I it's it's not as strong of a track as the pilgrimage, for example. But I still think it's got a lot of cool stuff going on. It's one that you know if Saxon were playing live and they were just going to play songs from this album, I'd still be stoked about it. I'd go see that. No, yeah, it's not, I'd be,
1: yeah. It's not, it's, it's, it's not bad. I think, I think the idea of it is really good I and mean, it's well-placed and I understand why it's here in the album. I think maybe for me, just the execution didn't work as well. It could have been trimmed. Fat could have been trimmed off in a little mm-hmm.
0: bit. But. Yeah. Good riff. I, I, I definitely enjoyed the riff. I would.
1: Yeah, I agree. You like hear that live good.
0: and headbang to that for sure.
1: Oh, definitely. Um, it's uh, it's it's it it, it, it the riff and the riffs on the riff's on this album like front to back are just killer.
0: And the keys on it, like you said, I, those definitely stood out to me. Uh, although the the main like little key riff is like maybe not the that that I kind of had some questions. You really need that particular bit, but then some of the more atmospheric keys later in the song really did it for me. It's
1: not a jutsu, <laughs> Yeah, right. It's it's not
0: senjutsu. thank the gods yeah Yeah. (laughs) we never need
1: to hear those kind of keys again no but anyway we kind of go the opposite route with the next one which is all for one it's kind of like you know it's a raven song but um you know this is a quick three-minute burner um this is like you know your class this is a classic saxon song like again this is just what they do all the elements are there the riffs the driving rhythms uh great vocal hooks on this one and more cool lead breaks um I didn't have much to say about it other than it's just an awesome song. You know, it's like, there's not a lot going on, but it just rocks.
0: Yeah. It's just kind of there to keep things rolling and to keep the momentum going. It has, yeah, it's hard to say much about it because it's short, it's fast. It's not, it doesn't stand out to me as much as some of the other songs. Like it just doesn't have as much of a distinctive quality to it, but it's, you know, well executed and it rocks. So no complaints.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, No complaints at all. This one, yeah this came on i was like yeah that that rules you know (laughs) it just like sometimes there's a song that you know you can't say as much about it because it just it's just really good and you know not too not too much going on but it just kicks ass um so i guess we'll move on to black is the night and was this one in six this the one in the six eight yeah yeah it was our favorite time signature yeah (laughs) um yeah so which gives it that like cool it cool like marching kind of song um I like how uh, one of the things that I do love about Saxon that they do, and they seem like they do it a lot, is they have these heavily picked riffs, whether it's chugging mm-hmm. or a gallop, and then they do these big open chords where the rhythm session kind of continues. Yeah. Um, and it really complements uh, what Biff does with his vocal melodies. Like, and I think it builds cool tension going into a chorus. Um, again, the chorus here, very simple, but very effective. Um, not a lot to it lyrically, but it's just a, uh, really cool chorus um around two minutes like we get down to another really clean part for a solo time and you know this is how you keep these types of songs interesting you know mm-hmm. they, they throw those little clean parts those little twists and turns um you know and it's uh it's it, it's 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 really cool um yeah i don't know it's just really well executed uh it's another great song and a great and great place but again they're, they're throwing different dynamics in there they're keeping us guessing a little bit um I'm not getting burnt out at this point. I'm excited to hear this song when I'm listening to it the first time. So yeah, it's another 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 win for Saxon on this song.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they it's getting towards the backs of the album now, second to last track, but instead of kind of sticking something in there that we might forget about, they give us a really distinctive song that has some unusual flavors that we haven't seen uh, in the album yet, like the time signature, um, subject matter. It seems to just be about like, you know how it gets dark up north <laughs> above the Arctic Circle. You know, um, and I've maybe it. and again, it's maybe art. I was yeah, black is the night, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I was imagining it, but again, like there was that kind of the the solo break kind of went into that that uh, frozen clean guitar kind of bit that just almost made me think of some classic black metal stuff, just in terms of atmosphere. Just a little tiny flavor of it. I don't know if that was on purpose, but it fits with the uh, it fits with the subject matter.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I hear you man. It was it 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 worked to me. I don't I don't remember too much of the lyrics on this one, but yeah, it was the song really worked for me and yeah, like you said it's I think this might be the first one we reviewed where like the second last track wasn't just stuck there or wasn't the weak one on the album, you know. They actually put something there and given what they moved into next, I thought it was really a wise placement. Yeah. So and what they moved into next was my second favorite song on this record, mm-hmm. um, which is living on the limit. And this one is just like time to rock. And it's mm-hmm. like a really, really cool way to end the, the album because people don't usually, and this is the shortest song on the record. It's just under three minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I really like about it is they managed, they managed to cram a lot into a three minute song. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a total rocker to start. Um, and there's this really, really slick transition around 120, where like mm. the drummer breaks into like this hi hat, hi hat deal. Um, it says me and Nate and Great how call it tactics, you know. Yeah. We got this real cool, real cool like hi hat deal, and then it goes down into this clean part around around the minute 20 mark. Um, goes into another, you know, another great solo over a clean part, which is kind of their mo on this record, and then it reprises the main. You know riff to end it and this is just a great closer to a great record. I'm, I was surprised by this song as the last one, impressed and um, very happy to have it close like that. I thought it was really cool.
0: Yeah and it, it kind of reminded me of last week's mall record in that you know when the song started on my first listen I was like hmm is this just going to be like another song that's tacked on kind of or but just like with the mall, oh, it became obvious halfway through the song. Like, oh, this this song really couldn't have been at any other point in the album. Yeah, it's actually yeah. kind of made to be a closer. And and there's really an art to doing a fast closer on an album. And I feel like um, a lot of a lot of bands will make the easy choice, which is sometimes the right choice to uh, you know put your slow track or your most epic track last.
1: Yeah, um, we've and, done it and, twice. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And it often is, you know, it, often that's the right call to make. But if you have just the right burner, that can be such a satisfying way to end an album.
1: Yeah, it can. It definitely let, left me with, like, just especially how, you know, how how dynamic it was for a short song. There was a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. It wasn't just a quick two-and-a-half-minute pump kind of song, you know. It was just, like, you know, one or two riffs and, and, and whatnot. It was actually quite dynamic, that little breakdown, the little solo part, you um, It it was, I think it's, it's, it it can't, it's a bold move to end an album like this, but a great move. And it left a really good taste in my mouth as this album stopped. And I was like, you know, I'm definitely going to go back to this whole damn album. Yeah. So, yeah. So there you have it, everybody. That is Carpe Diem by Saxon. That's our full in-depth review of it. Um, I'm giving it a very, very, very strong two thumbs up, hundred percent recommendation. Um, I have a feeling this is going to wind up on my top albums of the year list. Um, It's a strong contender anyway. It's a lot, lots of metal left to happen in 2022. But, you know, as an early contender, this is, um, this is definitely, you know, I think it's at least going to get an honorable mention for me in my year end list.
0: Oh yeah. I'm thinking the same. I mean, it's, it's great to have somebody planting the flag like that early in the year with a release this strong. And it doesn't seem like it's being really talked about. Maybe it's just the circles that I follow on my social media or whatever, but I haven't heard people talking about this. So let's set that right. And, yeah, uh,
1: get get this in your ears, holes, people. I mean, this is from, I'm trying to remember the name of the label that was, this was on. Oh, Silver Lining Music. Um, not sure. I don't know too much about that label. But yeah, it didn't seem like there was much publicity about this album. It didn't seem like anyone was talking about it. Like when we were looking around, I was like, oh, Saxon has a new record and it's out now. Yeah. Oh shit, like we can actually do this next. Um, I was shocked. Um, so, yeah, I think this is an album that, you know, I think a lot of people are sleeping on it, and they really shouldn't, because it is, I'd say, the best Saxon album in the last, I don't know how long, um, probably 12 years, you Yeah. Know, at least. It's, it'll be at least the best Saxon album in the last 12 years. Um, maybe longer, maybe even going back to Killing Ground. Um, it's absolutely awesome, front to back. Even, you know, like I said, I mean, I'm even like, you You, you kind of convinced me a little bit. I'm mellowing out on the COVID, COVID <laughs> song, too. Like, I, at the beginning, I, remember, I think that was the first thing we heard, too. Like, we were talking yeah. about listening to it. And you're like, oh, dude, there's a COVID song on it. We were like, oh,
0: God damn it. Like it's yeah, well, what's <laughs> the first thing you hear in the first line is it came across the China Sea. You're like, oh, man. Here, oh, we, here go. we go again. <laughs> this could be
1: another accept, you know? But luckily, it wasn't. And we were proven wrong. So, everybody, I implore you, please, please, please get this album in your ear holes and give them a chance. Cause yeah, you know, these guys have been doing this for so long and for them to still be trimmed on the material like this, like mad respect.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is an album that, and especially after Sunjutsu. <laughs> um, oh, and like, this is an album that really shows like what I think what a late career album can and should be in that it's taking advantage of the, of modern approaches to, production so you can hear the band's performances in a clear way that um, highlights certain things that weren't obvious in the earlier recordings and it also has a certain maturity about it like there's not sometimes you get the like odd little cringe moments in the 80s stuff where they're like you know sorting out their style and they kind of like lean a little too far into pop or a little too far into like trying to be sexy or whatever but at this point they've kind of figured out what they're good at and they do that and so there's a maturity about this album um and and it's that maturity in terms of compositional process mixed with being able to uh really use a lot of resources and do a really focused production and you end up with a really high quality product um that really shows what this band is still capable of and is another feather in their cap so um Yeah, props to them for just like showing us how to do it. I hope that when we're in our sixties or seventies, that we can put out something that's good.
1: I couldn't have said it better, man. That was a really, really eloquent, astute way to put that. Um, You know, it's 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 a it's a testament to how good these guys are and how you know. It seems like it it seems like they're having fun. Yeah. Like, there's there's a good energy that comes out of this album. Like sometimes you listen to an album. I don't know. I I listened to like. I mean, I guess we keep going back to Sinjutsu as a comparison. This album craps all over Sinjutsu. It's a thousand <laughs> times better. But I mean, Senjutsu doesn't really have like a negative feeling on it. It just seems like it's a band that doesn't really give a shit. You yeah. know, it's just like we're doing what we want and we don't really care if it's cohesive or, or anything. We're just kind of making these, we're just kind of jamming out on these songs and whatever. This sounds like a band who really had a conceded effort to put something for something consumable and entertaining and that their fans are really gonna like. So, you know, I I really I always respect that. And you know, Saxons always had integrity through the years, always been pretty revered. And I think that this is only gonna add to their legacy. It's pretty lean too. It comes in a 44 minutes. So it's not it doesn't stick around too long either. Yeah, which is
0: as I've said, I've said so many times, it's just something that a lot of bands don't seem to be able to like figure out how to do for some reason, especially once they have been around a while, but that restraint is important you know, yeah, it, to leave us wanting more.
1: Yeah, and, and in, the scope of a, in the scope of a full album, too, you know, like you're talking about, it's not just a collection of songs. It's like, it, it, it is, but it's also like a big picture, you know, you kind of want to look at the the whole presentation front to back, how it flows and how the experience is for the listener. It's, and I think maybe that's something that is a, a product of the 2000s when the, the, the digital era came in. everything was like oh it's all about singles you know Mm -hmm. it's all about dropping singles it's not about like you know full-length albums anymore no one cares about albums anymore well i think in the metal world like in our scene i don't know what the rest of the music world is like because i don't really pay that much attention i mean i have my other genres that i like but i don't really pay much attention to like the metalcore or the edm world or any of that i don't i just don't know about it um but in the metal world that we like people want albums you know, or people want EPs, you know. Um, people want something that they can put on and listen to it, like, you know, front to back and, you know, really delve into the experience. Get it on, like, the vinyl. That's what the vinyl experience is all about. It's about putting it on your table, listening to it, flipping it over, listening to it the other side, or, you know, putting it on in your car and, and just driving and listening to it on a road trip. So I would hope that more bands, you know, kind of start to look at that. Bigger picture and say hey we, had, we need to craft the whole this this whole project needs to be thought out front to back not just a bunch of fucking songs you wrote
0: right and i think it's increasing like people want albums more than ever because they want they want to know what it is they're listening to and i think we live in an era where like i don't know with like cryptocurrency and nfts and all this stuff all this digital stuff it's like i feel like it's often a question like what what is the product? What are we actually listening to? What do we actually have here? Mm -hmm. And there's just something beautiful about like this record has physical grooves in it. If you can figure out a way to like amplify something that's running through there at the right speed, you'll hear the music. It's physically right here. You can touch it. You can feel it. You can smell it. If you put this in a like, you know, lead box and shot it into space, maybe someday would like, aliens would find a Saxon album and figure out how to play it without needing to like, download amazon prime you know
1: yeah exactly and i think that there's you know the the music fans the guys like us that are the dorks you know we're always going to want some form of physical product i i've come around to digital music a lot more i love my itunes subscription um especially since itunes has brought in lossless uh digital audio files i've noticed like that that that's only happened in recent years and i've had an itunes subscription since probably 2015 um i've only i've noticed the difference like it's a much better listening experience especially like i love it in my vehicle you know i do Mm -hmm. a lot of my listening to music in my vehicle but you know and i can bluetooth it into my stereo at home but you know i love i do love having the physical record too you know i'm definitely going to order a vinyl copy of this saxon record if it's if it's available um so yeah albums guys let's make albums albums
0: (laughs) albums do it but and and I'm not, you know, I'm not crapping on digital it's digital music as a tool because it gives us this incredible tool to discover music. Um, but I think it's a great tool to find it's, in my head, it's always like a great way to like learn about albums and check them out and kind of work towards maybe having a physical copy one day. Certainly. Like last night on my you know, I went on this whole, you know, weird Eastern Bloc music band binge and found these like it's like Czech sort of new band and this like Slovak pop star. And it's great. I'm, I'm so into it. I would never be able to like find those records in Brimerton, Washington, yeah, you fair. know, or probably anywhere in the US. But like, thanks to iTunes, I can just be like, oh cool, I'll just like add all this stuff on here and I can listen to it whenever I want. And that I'm not trying to knock that power because it is incredibly powerful and allows us to get our music out and to get this podcast out. And I'm extremely grateful for that, but I think we shouldn't lose sight of creating the, the monolith, the album, the thing that stands the test of time. I agree. It's complete and think, in and of itself.
1: <laughs> and I think that's what we have here. So, anyway, on that note, um, we're going to, I think that's it for this week. We'll wrap things up. Um, again, thank you to Saxon for making an awesome record that I really had a good time listening to over the past couple of weeks. Uh, it is Super Bowl Sunday, so I'm going to go, I don't know, cook some chicken wings or something and get ready to watch two football teams that I don't really care about. But, you know, hey, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals are in, and that's kind of cool. I don't remember the last time they were in the Super Bowl. So I think um, it was
0: like the 80s.
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, so it should be fun. Um, but yeah, everybody out there, if you have albums you think we should listen to, like we're open to recommendations. Um, you know, the Mall album was one that got put on our radar by a listener, a couple listeners. So, um, yeah, send, send, send us your stuff. If you're in a band, send us your stuff. Uh, we'll listen to it. Not going to guarantee. We're going to review it. Um, if we listen to it and you're a small independent band and we don't like it, we're not going to come on the air and trash you because that's just a bunch of horseshit. That's not what we do. We're here to be constructive and, and build the scene up, not tear it down. Um, we could all use a little bit more building things up and not tearing them down. So. Mm-hmm. Um, until next week, everybody keep your heads up, sticks it on the ice, um, and we will see you back here soon for another episode of Keep Here's the Plains. Alright, let's
0: go.